the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Well, folks, welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. I hope you are relaxed today and having a good time because... Well, it's Christmas, and I want to take this time to wish you a Merry Christmas. This is the day we celebrate the coming of our Lord and Savior. Uh, It's not an Amazon gift day. It's not uh, the day to run to the mall for Black Friday or whatever it is. This is the day to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, It's funny. I said at jujitsu the other day, I said Merry Christmas to a a guy and he says, I'm Jewish. I said, well, why didn't you say Happy Hanukkah to me? You know? We can share. This is a good thing. Anyway, folks, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. And I mean that sincerely all the way around. This has been a heck of a year and I'm not, I'm not too upset about putting 2021 in the books and uh, hopefully 2022 will be a little bit better on there. So since this is a Christmas show, since this is really a show I've been looking forward to, I finally, and I mean that I was finally able to cajole my two guests into joining me here today. These two gentlemen, and I mean that, these two gentlemen joined me in Alaska last summer in August. They were my hunting guides. They were the reasons I was successful and they were a lot of fun to be with. So I want to introduce them to you. And if you're ever in need of guide services, these are the guys you want. First off, if you're on watching our podcast at gab.com or on our YouTube channel, you'll see on the gentleman on my left here is Hiram Nelson. Hiram is a guide from Alaska. And as you can tell by the pictures there, he's got a double palmed moose behind his head. So he's been around a while and it's a great animal. Um, He's calling in from work. He's a busy guy. So we appreciate his time. Hiram, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Also joining us, phone on, folks, on the phone, you can't see him on the, on the YouTube channel, but joining us on the phone is a master guide, hire, uh, Todd uh, Bogner, Todd Bogner out of Michigan. And the reason we are so late getting this show done is we had to actually Say, wait for him to come back out of the field. So this guy hunts about nine months out of the year. So there you yes, go, folks. So Todd, Todd Bogner is joining us. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Very well. We're, uh, Enjoying the snow, and I uh, just got home two weeks ago from Alaska, so um, getting caught up on honeydew list, getting caught up on uh, things that need to be done, and um, got some snow plowing done, got some Christmas shopping done, and um, yeah, it's do- we're doing good, doing good. So your your yeah. life is a guide. You're gone about nine months out of the year. Is that right? Uh, about uh, six. You know, good solid six months to seven months. I'm I'm in Alaska, so yeah. So this is where I call home, and um, for now, anyway. And so uh, I head home after the season, and kind of nurse my wounds, and you know, get caught up on on things uh, around the house, and um, and just just kind of recover because it's a long 
you know, it's from April all the way through December. It's um, it's a long season. So our last month um, is in the southeast hunting goats, and so that was very successful. And so then we had to take the boat all the way down from Juneau all the way down to Seattle. So that took uh, us a thousand miles. So that took us um, a good solid week. So were you hunting all the way down there, or fishing, or just riding the boat? No, just just riding the boat. We've got to take it down to have it serviced every two years. So it's a it's a two year thing. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So, well, welcome yeah. back. Welcome home. I'm sure your family's glad to see you after about six months at, six months at sea, so to speak. And Hiram lives Pretty in Alaska, much. folks. Uh, just before we started this recording, he walked outside with his video. It's about eight thirty in the morning out mm-hmm. there, and uh, it's dark. <laughs> it's just it's a unique thing right we're almost at the shortest day of the year so you know it gets light a little bit around noon i guess so it's a whole nother way of living and hiram's been up there for about 10 years so here's what happened when i was about 15 years old i decided i needed to go dull sheep hunting i just needed some money so uh you know 43 years later um i actually had the opportunity to head up into the hills and meet these guys so i hired a group AlaskaDollSheep.com, Mont Mahoney. Uh, just looked him up online and gave him a call and talked to him, talked his ear off. And I said, you know, Mont, I think you're the guy I want to go with. And I said, but I really want to talk to the guides first. If there's a way we can do that, that's important to me. But uh, that didn't happen. But I told him that I know it's a five-day or eight-day hunt, but I'm not coming home without a doll sheep. So if he needed to fly over, every two weeks and throw a couple of crates of top ramen out the window towards my direction. That's fine. But I'm not coming home. This was a big deal to me to get a doll sheep. It's been a lifetime dream. And I know this is something that a lot of people, you know, a doll sheep is usually your first sheep and a lot of people are out there chasing things around and we're all kind of in the same boat on that. So when you have guides who are taking you up there, they kind of get to witness this because it's, it's a big deal for a lot of people. Hiram, do you, uh, how did you feel as, as a guide up there as a guide? Yeah. I mean, like I said, you're doing most of the people you're hunting with up there in Alaska. Most of them are first time sheep hunters, right? Yes. I mean, I have, I have done others where it was like their last sheep. And so it was kind of a a sweet thing to finish up there, like a grand slam and things like that. But uh, most of the time it's their first sheep and, it's, I think, a lot more than people expect a lot of times where they think, oh, it's a sheep hunt and they hear all, all these stories and they think, oh, yeah, I'm going to be ready for it. But once you get to the, the actual stomping ground, it's it's a whole different story. You know, people come up and it's pretty intimidating. I, I know that to start this whole journey, uh, the guy, the, the very first hunter, I was actually going to do a hunter before you. And before he touched the ground, he he looked at the mountains and he pretty much said, I can't do this. And he had to had the pilot turn around and fly him back to town. So it's, it's a, it's a big country. And it's uh, as you can attest, after you got up there and started doing things, it's, it really is um, a lot. It's everything's a little bit bigger up here in Alaska. It seems like so. a, a little bit bigger is quite an understatement. It, it's like they should have a, uh, a moniker under the state of Alaska. It says underneath it in Alaska, nobody can hear you scream. 
because it's, it is just <laughs> huge and empty. And I'm going to share some photographs with you when we come. We're going to do another segment. We'll share some photographs on there. Todd, how about you? Do most of the guys who come in for doll sheep in Alaska, is it pretty much their first hunt? I find it's 50-50. Um, I find it that there are experienced um, guys that have hunted throughout Alaska, and they may or may not have taken um, a ram. I mean, mean, not their first hunt ever, but like their first sheep hmm. hunt. No, like I said, maybe I said that wrong, but I think it's 50-50. I think some... Some, it's their very first time. They've they've dreamt of it since they were a boy, and they finally got the opportunity. And then there are others that have taken a ram before, and now they're looking for something uh, bigger. And so, or they just love to sheep hunt. And that, and 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 there are people out there that just love to sheep hunt. And so, so uh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. So you just never know. Um, yes, it is a good idea to talk to your guide prior to you showing up on the ground because it's a situation where you dump your pack out and you, and you have your guide say, okay, put everything back in that you think I'm going to need and everything else goes back in the super cub. And, and, you know, the ideal situation is to be 45, maybe 50 pounds, but, you know, it takes a sec. It takes a look. It, it, it takes a while to to get to that point where it's like, you know, I sure could use that, but you know, I don't need it. And when you get out of the Super Cub and you look up at those mountains, I think the ram that you got, Philip, I believe we were at about nine thousand. I believe we shot that sheep at eighty seven hundred. So you're looking straight up, and you've got a pack on. Sure, it's not. It doesn't have everything in there because some of that's back at spike camp. Right. But you're coming down with, you know, if you get a ram, you're coming down with approximately 100 pounds or so. And so, um, so anyway, I find it, I find, I find it that there's, there's, there's people that have hunted sheep before they could show up. And there's, there's a guy that has never had boots on the ground in terms of any hunting in Alaska. Yep. So you just never know. Okay, folks, we're going we're gonna to take a break right here. Merry Christmas. We'll be right back after this. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman from Planet Home Landing and host of the main event. Heard weekends right here on AM 590, The Answer. 
If you'd like to own a home and you need financing, or you'd like to refinance a home you already own, whether that's in California or one of these escape from California states, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, or Montana, I'm the guy you want to talk to. Or if you'd like to inquire into the one of the most liberating financing tools for seniors, a reverse mortgage, you want to talk to someone who will guide you towards decisions based on your best interest, not theirs. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. My team and I will lead you to the best decision for you based on your short-term and your long-term goals. Again, for more information, call me at 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. AM 590, the answer. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! Hey folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. Merry Christmas again. And as you know, we're sponsored by Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo. And unfortunately, they're closed today, so you can't run in there and buy everything you need. But Monday's coming. So head on out there on Monday. Um, I was just out there a week ago. I found three fantastic things that came in on consignment. I'm telling you guys. Shop early, shop off, and that's what you want to do at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo. Get yourself a training certificate, get trained, get armed, get protected, and then start buying stuff just for fun. Bullseyesports.com, 951-823-0211, 951-823-0211. Say hello to Vince, have a happy new year, and we'll see you guys on the other side there. Folks, here on the show, I have Hiram Nelson and Todd Bogner, and we are talking about the chances that I got to actually go on a fantastic hunt last year. Actually, it was this year, but last summer in Alaska. And as we just cut to that last break, Todd was talking about how when you land, you know, and you look around and you realize that you are on your own, there is there is nothing else out there. Um, if you're watching along at home on the on a video, we'll have a little, uh, um, have some pictures that we're showing off here. So our first picture that we have, uh, where are we at here? So the first picture that I'm showing here on the screen, um, is from our first camp. Now this, we landed in, in a Piper Cub. Super Cub. You're not getting to anywhere in Alaska without one of those because it had to cross this giant, silty marshland river. It was only about 15 miles or 20 miles from a, a small little airstrip. But I'm telling you, it'd take you a week to cross that land with all that marsh and all that silt and all that junk. So Piper, the Super Cub landed us here on this gravel bar. I think the flight was not Hiram's favorite part of the entire trip, but he, he might want to comment on that, but landed on these, on these rocks, on this gravel bar. And uh, we offloaded. Now Todd had already been there for several days and he actually had a hunter in there first. Todd, you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. I got there um, like four days before the opener to um, uh, kind of, move some rocks around, get things situated. And um, so the first day of hunting season uh, is uh, uh, August 10th. And so my uh, my hunter showed up the day before on the 9th. So opening day, we actually saw, um, we saw some, a couple, a couple, three legal rams. And so we decided to, um, 
Uh, we decided on one of them, and uh, we downscaled our packs, and off we went. So that took several hours, uh, six, probably five or six hours, to get up to the point where we needed to uh, to set up spike camp. We set up, uh, uh, we found a little water hole up there, which was a blessing. So we, we set up there, crystal clear water, and the sheep were using it, obviously. And so we uh, got up early, uh, 3.30 or 4 o'clock, opening morning, and we, I, I actually got up into a spot where I had seen the ram before. I sat there and figured that uh, this band of rams would come down, we'd be able to get a shot. Well, that never happened. You know, um, you know, it's not like you can, it's not a runway. You're not going to, you know, they're just free roaming. So what I did is I, I gave it uh, to about 10.30, 11 o'clock, so we kind of gathered our stuff up, spotting scopes and such. And, and I, I wanted to keep going in, in that general direction, thinking that maybe the rams were over the, the top of the mountain, maybe on the backside of it. And sure enough, we, we probably walked another three or four hours to get over this top of this little saddle. And they, they were all there. Uh, the rams were actually bedded down facing in all different directions, which is a calm situation for rams. So, we dropped and on the ground, and I was able to low crawl, uh, I don't know, five, 50, 60 yards. And I got a spotting scope out, got it on the, the rams, and was able to locate the nearest one to us was a pole curl, which uh, a ram in Alaska, to, to be legal, has to, uh, one of the the criteria is it has to be 360 degrees uh, of pole curl. So um, any less than that is a sublegal ram. So I, I the one that was closest to us was a legal ramp. The hunter low crawled up to us. We went to up uh, to me, and we went another. We low crawled about a hundred yards in these rocks. So uh, we scooted on up over a little bench, and we were able to actually shoot that ram as he was laying down chewing his cud. So that was a that was a stellar hunt. So that really started out. The Lord really blessed us with that, with that yeah. sheep. And um, so, and, yeah. And the gentleman you were hunting with actually won that hunt um, at uh, the Sheep Foundation. So that was kind of a cool thing that's, for him, too. That's correct. So that that uh, story is actually in Wild Sheep, uh, the Wild Sheep um, magazine. The magazine, yeah. So yeah. awesome that's hunt. cool. So then you knew the area, basically, um, a couple days later, because you can't just decide, okay, I'm leaving now. Uh, we've got the wind issue to deal with because the wind, if it doesn't suck, it's blowing. So there's only sometimes number one, when the super cub can get in there. Number two, uh, when he's available to come in there. So a couple of days later, they flew you guys out. I actually ran into that guy at the runway as I was coming in. And then this is the camp The on the screen right now. We're looking at the camp folks. If you're watching this on video on YouTube on the right-hand side, you'll see a cliff. That cliff was one mile from our camp. Uh, it looks like it's just a little bit there. Then from that cliff to those other cliffs behind it is another mile. And then there's another mile to the third set. And it's about seven miles as a crow flies to the back mountains. It's just the country is so big and deceiving. Um, you just, you know, we'll, we'll have other pictures coming up looking to the left up this canyon where this unbelievable glacier was at that, again, just keeps on going. So uh, we're looking at this picture we have here. 
This is a picture of the cliffs of insanity, I think I would call them. So as we, we crossed this moraine and all this rock and all this river bottom, which really wasn't too bad, and we got into some rock hopping, but then we had to cross these crumbly 45, 60-degree um, cliffs straight up to the top of these plateaus. And this was just the first set of stuff. So Hiram, um, was this your favorite part of the hunt? Uh, those The cliffs were... Uh an interesting thing because up to that point i know that that todd had went up and went around the backside um where they got that first ram but going up this direction it was kind of a a new little experience so it was kind of like let's pick a finger and kind of try and figure our way through it and um it it was it's not it wasn't like it was too intimidating but it was just one of those deals where it's like if you don't pick the right direction then you're going to get yourself caught in a situation and and that's what it is with, it seems like most hunting up here is that you got to be, it's not just like, Hey, we're going to run over to the edge there and figure out what's going on. You, you really do no. you, uh, <laughs> you, you need to make a little plan before you jump, you know? Yeah. It's, this is a good idea of planning is much better than just doing, because if you just start doing things, you're going to be doing them for hours on hours. Next picture we have here, folks is uh, if you're listening on radio, we're up on the plateau where we camped now from down below, this is the area that Todd had spied out and he wanted us to camp in, but we had to wait for a little bit. Number one, it was raining really hard. Number two, we had to wait for the grizzly bears to clear this spot because there was uh, two young grizzly bears were there. First grizzly bears I've seen in the wild. Um, they were called Beavis and Butthead because they were just like two little twin brothers that just kept, they were everywhere. They're running on this ridge, that ridge. They were digging for gophers. They were eating blueberries. They were, they were like active and uh, they were a bit of a concern for a while, at least for me. Um, number one, never seeing a grizzly before then seeing two. Uh, and so they were actually feeding in this particular spot where we camped. Then we used the QU tents, which I think were pretty much awesome, especially because the water or the ground was so wet and everybody stayed dry uh, with that. But so they're feeding right in this area for blueberries and cranberries and gophers. And, and uh, you know, it's the perfect idea. They've already been here. So they'll go somewhere else was our, our theory, but it was a great camp spot out of the wind and under a bluff. So the sheep above us couldn't see us because the sheep are, have such good eyesight. They will literally blow out of the area if they see you. The other thing that uh, um, folks, you know, these two guys I'm with Hiram and Todd are absolutely professionals. Everybody's voice was low in camp. It was just, you know, I've been around a lot of guys in the field and they don't realize how far their voice carries. But if you're in a camp like this, where you've just busted your hump carrying 70 pounds from the far end of one world to the other, and uh, you're just up there laughing and joking, you will blow the sheep out of the canyons. And if they're out of those canyons, you've got to go to the next ones to find them. And that's, you know, discipline in camp, I think was a, big thing. And I just watched these guys. They were the consummate professionals. Um, and so we, we ate here and, and slept here. And uh, these were this uh, boggy kind of a, not quite tundra, but just a boggy bluff that we were on. And uh, the sheep did not come down to us. We gave them ample opportunity do so, but they did not come down to us. So that was the one area there. We could talk a little bit more about the hunt uh, as we come back from here. This is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. You can find this on our YouTube channel, the Firing Line Radio Show. If you want to get a hold of Todd, you can get a hold of him at guide Todd Bogner, B-O-U-G-H-N-E-R at yahoo.com. And we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. 
If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. AM 590, the answer. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! Hey folks, Mulan Labe Christmas for you. Philip Naiman, Firingland Radio Show. Hope you're having a great day, great Christmas. We're talking about a, a wonderful trip that I was able to take last summer with Alaska Doll Sheep Guides and with Todd Bogner and Hiram Nielsen. Uh, Hiram's up there in Alaska. Todd's calling in from Wyoming, from Michigan. A little bit different, but pretty close. Um, we just talked about getting into our camp and our location. We're, we're camped on this bluff overlooking this, I think it's a Chasana Glacier. And the country is so vast. Um, Hiram, if I could uh, jump with you on this question here, or actually Todd, Todd, you've been up to that area so many times. I mean, how far can you see? I mean, this is area that people can't really get to. You've got miles and miles of broken glacier. You couldn't carry enough food for the time it's going to take you over there if you didn't just fall into a hole and die. I mean, this, this country is just so hard to describe. You want to give it a shot? Oh boy. Um, um, I don't know if I can describe that to be honest with you. I think you have to go experience it because it's funny. You're sitting there on the slope and you, and you, and you may see a caribou or a grizzly bear or something. And, and your hunter will say, how far is that? How far is that? I'll say, well, um, how far do you think it is? Well, it's probably 300. Well then, you know, you range find it and it's 650 or whatever. And so everything, everything is further away than you think, especially when you're either going after an animal or coming back. It's, you, you can see that far, but it, it, your mind just doesn't, your head doesn't get wrapped around how far it is until you actually put boots in the ground. You start walking towards that and it's, <laughs> and it's endless. It's like you see a valley or if you see, you know, a point that you're, Hey, let's get to that point and then we can do whatever. And you walk and you walk and you walk. And it's like, are you kidding me? Is everything out here? Like it, it is, it's just vast. And it's, it's, um, it takes some time to get used to that. So I don't, I don't know if I can adequately describe that to someone unless you've been there. So. The other thing is when you see them, when you look out there and you see the mountains, you're like, well, that's not that steep, but because you don't realize how far away it is when you get there, it not only does it get steep, but it kind of curls back. It looks like a, a wave of rocks that's <laughs> rolling towards you right? because it's just the top of the, the higher up you go, the steeper it gets. It's just a, an amazing thing. We had, uh, we had some fog that came in. So 
I think for a day and a half, we were kind of locked out of pretty much climbing the hills because you don't want to go up into the mountains and bump something in the fog. If you can't see it, there's not much you can do about it. So we had a, like a day and a half of just sitting around waiting. And I think uh, waiting is so much of the game, wouldn't you say? Oh, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think, Iron? Yeah, I think the biggest thing in that's that's one thing that I think is the hardest thing, and especially with sheep hunting, and also as you know, with like brown bear hunting and stuff, is that people just want to go pack up and and keep hiking around in the mountains. And if you can't see, you can't hear, you can't really make a good plan. There, you're going to uh, ruin your hunt if you just go traipsing into the woods most of the time in these cases, because these animals, I mean, they they get into their patterns and they they live there, and so as soon as you start disrupting that, they, they take off. And so that I know that that's one thing is that's hard. Even for me is wanting to be patient and, and do it at the right time. Cause it's like, Holy cow, we've been glassing for three days and we haven't moved from this knoll. Shouldn't we go over here or shouldn't we go over there? And yes, you, you got to make those choices, but it's also one of those things like, well, I'm tired of doing this. Let's just go do something else. And, and that can ruin a hunt that you, uh, have either paid a lot of money for or taken a lot of time or, you know, done that, that hard work to get there and stuff. And it, it can uh, really put a sour, sour experience if you, if you're not careful. So. Yeah. And yeah. the other part of well, that is go ahead, Todd. I was going to say, well said. And what happens is um, many times in the sheep arena is the using lambs are down lower and the rams are up higher. So what happens is you get antsy. And and you get fog that comes in and out, and it's like, well, I can see now, and you can see for an hour, and then it and then it blows in again, and you can't see, and the wind is shifting, and so wind is critical with rams, and so is in sight. So uh, rams have the equivalent of seven power binocular, you know, eyesight, and so if you get antsy, or if you, you know, if you that's why it's important to trust your guide. If he has a gut feeling and he says, you know, I think we just need to sit tight as much as you want to go and do and, 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 you know, and get up there, whatever it is you're hunting, especially sheep, um, just trust your guide. And, um, and it's important that you have patience and, you know, you name one thing right now that you can't go get right now, name other than maybe, maybe a doll ram, but, I mean, you can go to any store you want to and get what you want within 10 minutes for most of the people in America. They, I want it now. I'm going to go get it. And what happens is you get to Alaska and guess what? You got to wait. Well, what am I waiting for? What, what, do, what are we waiting? I'm waiting for the wind to change or I'm waiting to be able to see correctly or I'm waiting because I just don't feel right about it for whatever reason. So it's a, it's, you have to learn to be patient. But, you know, I think that that's the other part uh, in preparing for a hunt like this. You know, I, I was hiking nonstop and, and I actually had to deal with a knee surgery in the middle of everything. And I was really worried about that. But part, you know, shooting and shooting and different positions and weird stuff and, um, and, and gear selection. And the other part that I told myself and I really wanted to focus on was you have to be coachable. You're not going to spend this money and hire these professionals to take you up there to tell them what you want on your first hunt when you've never seen any of these things before. Like, yeah, I've knocked over a lot of deer, a lot of elk, brown bears, um, 
nothing with round horns, nothing in those mountains. And I remember this one time we were hiking around. Uh, we'll get to that in the next couple of screens. But there was four rams on a ridge line. I couldn't see them. They were behind them was snow. But, you know, Hiram was our lead. He picked them up on there. And it's like, Shh, I would have blown those guys out if I was by myself. And so right. you just have to, your guides are there for a reason. I mean, they're not, they're not your butler. Um, they're not your pack service. They're not there to tie your shoes, but they're there to give you a professional hunt. And I think that uh, you need to treat them with respect and honor what their judgment, because, you know, you don't know. I didn't know. I, like I said, I've hunted a lot before, but that's down here. And that really doesn't count. Maybe counts a little, but not, not at the level of, of sheep hunting and uh, the optics that come into play. You know, you guys were on your spotting scopes, looking at stuff all the time. And you had to make a judgment call. Like we watched one ram on a hillside for several hours. And it's like, well, he may be legal, but in order to get there, it's an eight hour hike, you know? So do you put in the eight hour hike and then you're eight hours away from camp for a maybe legal, or do you wait, you know? And so as antsy as you get wanting to get something done, um, I think Alaska forces patience on you. Well put. Yeah. Well put. We had, uh, go ahead. Yeah, and so and so that you know, um, without being patient, you sometimes and and many times it it foils the whole thing. It it it. Um, that's why it's important for a guide to understand and listen to your hunter. But on the other hand. Sometimes you just have to say, no, I know you want to go now, but we've got to wait. And so um, it can be a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a tug of war on that. And, but you've got to stick your guns and know that what you're doing is the right move. Does it always pan out? Do you always come off the mountain on that particular situation with a ram? No, but um the more things you can stack in, on your side, the better off, the more successful you're going to be. The wind, um, no fog, um, you know, all, all these things that you, that you can put on the right-hand side and put on your side, I think is going to make you a more successful hunter. And listening to the guy that has, that's done it before, that knows when to go and when, when to sit tight. So. You know, one of the things we were, we were sitting on there in the fog and Beavis and Butthead started coming up the canyon below us. And they, they, it's amazing, folks, how fast grizzly bears move. If you look at the terrain on the screen here, nothing's flat. And they're literally jogging up this hill. And there's two of them. And they got level with a, with a sheep kill. And all of a sudden, they went from a jog to a 90-degree sprint towards this the sheep kill. And I'm like, holy crud, you know, and it was a couple hundred yards away. They ran over to it and they're rolling it and having a good time. And then another grizzly bear comes from over the ridge and he just barks. And those two Beavis and Butthead run off to the right, but they're on a ridge line. And sure enough, the fog lifts and there's a band of like 17 or 18 animals or rams that are not, not just rams. I think they're mostly sheep and ewes, but um, anyway, lambs and ewes, but they were coming over and they're miles away from the grizzly bears, but they see the grizzly bears. So what do they do? They leave the country. 
And it's, there's so much thing, so many things that are going on up there against you. And, and again, Alaska is Alaska. It's just an amazing place. So we got a little, we did all the waiting and then Hiram said, Hey, tomorrow we're going up the hill. So we'll talk about that when we come back here. This is Philip Naiman, FiringLineRadio.com for the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. Yes! Great hunter. Yes? Yes. Fine figure of a man, yes? Yes? Yes. That is all you need to know for now. Hey, folks. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. I'm with two great hunters here, Hiram Nielsen and Todd Bogner. And you can get a hold of Todd at guide, Todd Bogner, B-O-U-G-H-N-E-R at yahoo.com if you want to talk to him about some hunting. Um, we're talking about my Alaska trip from last August, and we were a day and a half in fog. We're laying around there, and Hiram says, okay, we've been patient. I have an idea. Let's just hike straight up the face of this mountain and try and kill Philip." And if Philip dies, then we can have Mont fly his corpse out and go have a beer and a pizza. So I don't start this hike. That <laughs> didn't fool me. I'm a little old. I know these things. He starts hiking up the same canyon that those grizzly bears are running up. And uh, if you're looking on screen on our YouTube channel here, you'll see a plateau that we hiked up to. And as soon as we got to this little plateau on our left-hand side, a little U came over the top and we we're hoping he's going to bring somebody with him, but he didn't. So we continued hiking and hiking and hiking. And, uh, this next picture, I took a picture of just looking down. It's the angles are hard to see. This doesn't look like you're on the surface of the moon and it's not because the surface of the moon is relatively flat compared to this place, but we just hiked 
4,000 feet from the bottom of the, um, well, about 3,000 from our camp to the top of this thing, from the riverbed to the camp was a full thousand feet elevation. It just was, it was just huge. What was, what was involved in this. And then we hiked over the top. Hiram took us, uh, I think it was, I think it was north and east of, of the ridgeline looking into another bowl and we're in a glacier and this particular glacier, Hiram says, I have an idea. Let's make Philip walk across this glacier. He'll fall in the hole of death. And then we can call Mont and have him excavate the body and we can all go home and have a pizza. But I did survive the glacier barely. So we got into this rock area and this is where he found the four, four bands, uh, four rams on our left that were on the snow line. And then Todd saw another four um, on a hillside off to our right. And Land in, in Alaska should be measured in zip codes because the bands on the right, you can see them, right? They're white. They're standing out, but they're two and a half miles away. I'm like, oh, two and a half miles. So I can do two and a half miles. It's not two and a half miles. It's that particular, it would have been about seven or eight hours of hiking to get there. So it's two and a half miles, but you're not going as a crow flies. It's, it's a long, long way. And there are rocks everywhere. Hiram, I think I told you this as I said a prayer, I said, Lord, how many rocks did you make? And his answer was all of them. So, I mean, rocks are everywhere. And we left this area, if you're looking on the screen here, went over a saddle and had this unbelievably steep pitch. And this is where my knee started to, my knee that was replaced gave me a little bit of an issue. With a knee replacement, you don't get a full bend in your knee. So clearing rocks, stepping over them, I started like three times, my toe would catch on something and I'd stumble. And that was, that was not a lot of fun. But we had to get through that because we were on a hunt. And so this next screen, we took a picture of just how steep this was. This is me standing up and you know everything's 45 to 60 degrees in the middle of the hill. It gets steeper towards the top and the rocks just keep on coming. So this is a picture from uh, where the, we took the ram. Again, it's just 60-degree angles. It just was absolutely stupid. Um, well, it was stupid that I put myself in that position. How's that? Uh, <laughs> so, so we came over the top of the saddle, and we we cleared the first the first bowl we had to go through was very, very noisy. Rocks were sliding all over the place. The second one wasn't so bad. It was a little less steep. And we came to these pinnacles up here. And on these pinnacles, um, the, you guys went, went over the top and looked. And you're like, yes, there's rams. There's a shooter. There's a shooter, meaning a full coal ram. And I'm looking at those rams like they're two days away. I, I see two deathly canyons between here and there. If I made the shot you know, uh, where, where do we go from here? Right. So let, let me, uh, let me jump this over to Hiram. This is when we, we saw the sheep we're on that, that castle like pinnacle on the Hill. And then you look down the ridge line, right? So Hiram, why don't you pick it up from there? All right. So yeah, as, as, uh, he was saying, when we came out of that, uh, spot where we crossed that little bit of snow glacier stuff, it was, it was, a pretty steep, risky situation, like you said. Not, not that I felt like we were in danger, but it was one of those things where you did not want to step wrong. And as we came across the front of there, um, Todd and I both had thought, you know, there, we'd seen another ram a few days earlier that was like, as Phil was saying, long ways away, but it looked right at dusk, you know, and it looked like he was legal. And it's like, where could he possibly be? 
we'd watched other sheep that had kept going back into this area. And so we're like, this, it's gotta be a bull back up in there. And so when we got up on that, that ridge and looked down on that backside, it was like a knife's edge. And it was like steep as can be on our side. But then on the backside, there was a ram that was about six or 800 yards away that we could see. Oh yeah. He looks like a legal ram. And then down across the Canyon, like Phil said, there was another one. And so it was kind of like, well, let's start making a play. And I thought, you know, I feel like we better look over the, the front right where we're at because it dropped off pretty good right in front of us. But it's like, you know what, let's take a look. So as Phil was taking a look at those other rams, I decided to peek over that knife edge. And as and I started like tiptoeing over and looking. And as soon as I put my head up, it was like, oh, there's a shooter right there. Like as soon as, as, soon as I saw that lead ram, it was like, that guy's got to go. And so I looked up and I was like, there's shooters right here. And so I, I, you know, I backed up out of their view and I told Phil, I'm like, get ready. And then I also looked at, at Todd and I was like, Todd, look at this Ram right now. And as soon as, as soon as he put up the scope, he's like, Oh yeah, that's a nice Ram. And we could tell because of the angle, you couldn't, you couldn't see that it was full curl, but just by the mass and the width and everything is like, that is a monster Ram. And so, yeah, then, then it put everything into action and trying to, you know, not make too much movement because the thing was only like 140 yards away. The wind was blowing up towards us, which was lucky, but it was only like 140 yards away. And that thing knew that there was something going on, but he couldn't see what was going on. And that was the advantage and always the advantage when hunting sheep is getting above them. They're not used from death above, you know, they, they're used to having things come from below them. And so it was kind of like, what's going on, but I'm going to eat what's going on, but I'm going to eat. And, so yeah, it, it was to our advantage, but it was it was got hot and heavy real fast when we found that ram. So the uh, the the scope, the rangefinder says 145 to 155 yards, but the line of sight was a little over 300. It's just it's so steep up there. If you've done long range shooting, you know you want to go with your horizontal distance, which was like 145, but it was a little over 300 yards from a line of sight to this ram. Um, so it's, it's really was interesting. And, and so, you know, made the shot, um, I hit him three times and I learned a lot about shooting downhill because I put the bullet where I wanted it to hit, but because of the extreme angle of it coming down, it only clipped the corner of his lung. It didn't go right through. Had it been more of a horizontal shot, first one would have double lunged and we'd have had no problem, but it, it clipped and went down. So like, like you missed, I'm like, don't say that to me. I'm too prideful to say that. <laughs> I didn't miss. I don't want to argue about right, it, but right. I didn't miss. And I literally nice was thing, leaning. The nice, shots, the nice thing with the shots that you made, though, is that had you double lunged him and he kind of piled up right immediately, we would have been going down that mountain to pick him up. And then we would have had a whole different story to deal with. It, you know, the, the whole situation with the way that it hit him and, it, you know, he kind of patiently died it made it to where he laid right on that edge. And we luckily didn't have to chase a ram that rolled clear down the mountain. Yeah, we were so, absolutely, I mean, it worked out. It worked abs- out great. Absolutely blessed on that. And so we ended up with this beautiful, um, 40 and a half on one side, 39 and five eighths on the other, um, full curl ram that was absolutely gorgeous and just old nine and a half plus years, uh, beautiful ram, um, you know, honestly, guys, I was very emotional. It just was such a, a lifetime achievement and it wouldn't have happened without these two gentlemen that I have on the show here today. So 
Um, there's a picture of them with the ram and it was, it was amazing. And then we had to hike it out of there. So I know we only have about a minute left on the show, but the next day we hiked out and, you know, thank God I had two Packers there after the, after the hunt, they turned into Packers, but they actually <laughs> cleaned the animal, um, which was nice in Alaska. You have to take all of the animal out. So, you know, there's a picture here where we literally stripped it all the way down to the bones. We took all the meat, we took the head and it was just it was just amazing. The next day we climbed back down the cliffs of insanity. And there is a, a further story. We don't have time to go into today about the, uh, about the grizzly bear that showed up, but it was an amazing hunt. And I want to thank my special guests here, um, Todd Bogner and Hiram Nielsen. You guys gave me a dream hunt. It was a pleasure to be in the field with you. You're absolute consummate professionals. And if anybody ever has the opportunity to hunt with you, they are lucky folks. So thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. thanks. It was a pleasure to be around both you guys. And and God bless. Happy Christmas. Very good. Merry Christmas, folks. We'll talk to you all later. And uh, Happy New Year. Shoot, Felipe. Shoot. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. I'd like to introduce you to a new sponsor to the show, Sean Gibbs of Ask Defensive Training Company. They're in Redlands, California. They also sell guns and ammo, but the most important thing that they have for you here today is their training courses. Ask, kind of an interesting name. Why would you call it that for guns and ammo? Well, Ask stands for Attitude, skills, and knowledge. And that's what they focus on at Ask Defensive Training. Sean has basic courses for a first-time gun buyer. If you're not familiar with your firearm, you want to be able to use it safely, perfect place for that. He has also additional courses for defensive handgun, advanced handgun, and even learning how to shoot a firearm in low-light situations. Bring your mag light. So folks, check them out at askdefensive.com, A-S-K, defensive.com for a schedule of classes. He's got a great store in there too, so buy what you want, train what you want, askdefensive.com. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.